please bow your head and pray with me. Dear God, I thank you so much for this church and the people that make it. Please help us to open up our hearts and, and give our minds to you. And please speak through Joe this morning as he brings the message. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. I'll worship Your holy name. Worship Your holy. Yes, Lord, I worship your Please turn and greet your neighbor. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. So uh, grateful that you joined us in worship today. We want to make sure that you have a couple of essential elements. Um, one, there's a new newsletter out today. If you'd like to hold something in your hands to read it, we have them in the back table. And you'll see uh, the families that have joined this month. You'll see the trips that the youth have taken um, in mission and faith development. You'll see uh, vacation Bible school pictures and all kinds of stuff that's coming up. If you ever say to yourself, man, I didn't know we were doing that. Newsletter. You can look in the newsletter and you will know that we are doing something. There's a paper version there on the table and also in the sanctuary. There's a digital version at the top of every email that we send to you from the church-wide level. You click on newsletter and it will be the latest one. Um, and you can also uh, go back and see previous ones if you missed it. The other thing you need is your um, bulletin. If you open this wide, you'll see our five practices of fruitful congregations. These are things that we want to emphasize in our life here on Sunday morning, uh, throughout the week, wherever we go. We want to emphasize these things. And in particular, I want to lift up a couple. Uh, one for radical hospitality. Um, we have one service next week and a cookout. Um, the Hovises will be cooking for us. It will be amazing. It will be delicious. It will be directly following a 10 o'clock service that's in the sanctuary. We have one service next week. It's at 10 o'clock, and it's in the sanctuary in the um, traditional worship style at 11 o'clock. And you will come at 10. You'll come in here um, for a cookout after that. It will be um, delicious. Um, it'll be great. Second, uh, passionate worship. We had an amazing service for um, We're in Leonard this week. Um, we had great music. Uh, George Strait spoke as well as I spoke. We recorded it. People who record our stuff are completely dedicated to making sure that you can see something if you're not here. Um, you'll see a link to that in the email if you missed uh, that service or if someone asks you if we have a recording of that service, we do, and you can uh, watch it. Um, finally, risk-taking mission and service. Um, the Children's Summer of Service on Wednesdays starts this week. Each week is dependent upon a critical number for participation of kindergartners through second graders, as well as a volunteer. So this is what Aaron knows, that your summer's crazy, that people text you and say, hey, does your kid want to come over for the next three days, or not, or we're leaving, or we're not. I know that your, your schedule's crazy and all over the place, but she does need to know if you want to do it because she's got to make a call every Monday 
if she's going to do it on Wednesday based on a critical number and a volunteer. So please reach out to her, Aaron at memorialgreer.com, if that's interesting to you um, in any way, so that she can do that. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for beautiful weather. We thank you for safe travel. We thank you for a place from which we may gather. We thank you for wonderful music, prayers, scripture, and proclamation. A formula that we try to put together so that we may get to a place in our heart and our mind where we are willing and able to hear you, to comprehend your words, to live those words out as we leave this space. Transition us, Lord, from coming here to being here, to being present, to being willing, to having our, our minds, our hearts, our hands open to receive your word for us this day. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The opening image today as we continue in a series in Acts as we're working through uh, the continued expansion of this word that Jesus gave people is trust. Trust is tough, isn't it? For any number of reasons. It might be um, lack of contact. It might be one major event that caused you to struggle with trust with an individual going forward. It might be ongoing little tiny minor events like paper cuts that cause you um, to lose trust for a person. Or maybe the exact opposite. A particular event drew you together with this person or a day in, day out, simple little thing builds your trust. We're going to talk about that today. And I want to show you three images um, to get us in that mindset. The first is a um, physical therapist. You get a knee replacement. You wake up and the knee that you've had your whole life is gone. And now you have a new knee. And every other step, you've got to use that knee. And, and that spot for some time has been quite painful to you and you haven't been able to trust it. Now you've got this new thing that should be far more trustworthy than the one you had, but you don't know whether to trust it or not. I've seen that so many times when I pray with people, so many times before and after this procedure, and they walk along with a, with a physical therapist and have to trust that person. The day of they get you up. The day of, they get you up and moving with that individual and the trust that you have to build with this person who knows what they're talking about. They don't know you one hour ago, but they know this and trying to build that trust. Let's look at the next one. Swim coach with a little kid at the Y. This water is frightening to me. I'm not sure if I should jump in it. In fact, everything that my Parents have said about being safe, this doesn't seem right. I don't know how to swim, and you're asking me to get in water. And I don't know you. 
It's a similar situation of a relationship that can be elevated in a hurry or not based on the child's willingness to go with an adult that they do not know into water that they cannot currently navigate. Let's look at one more. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh at this one. I'm not looking at it. Cat or pet. Your neighbor, your boyfriend, your uh, whomever asks you to feed their animal while they're gone for six days. Now, a dog comes to the door and is like, hey man, let's be friends. Let's be friends right now. And let's be best friends forever. That's the way the dog's approaching you. But I fed a cat before for my then girlfriend, who is my current wife. I walked over to her house and was there to feed her orange cat. And he, I wouldn't say was enthusiastic about me being there, but I was the one that was bringing the food. So all of a sudden, this very large person, less large then, but still large to that cat, is now the one that is the difference between me eating or not. And then the cat has to elevate that trust, at least for a little while uh, as we go forward. It takes a great deal of trust to begin these relationships and that um, there's something that bridges them in our scripture passage today that I think um, we can all notice. Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. See, next phrase. Led to take a risk on a new leader. Now, any of you that have hired someone know how difficult it can be to judge whether an individual can do the task that you are asking them to do. We ask volunteers all over our church. We probably have uh, 75 volunteers a day, a Sunday, to make it happen. We ask them if they're willing to do it. We have uh, more than that volunteer in committees on Monday nights, some uh, participating and some in leadership, and we try to guess, does your skill set match this? Does your time match this? Does your ability match this? Whatever it may be. But ultimately, you're not certain. And there's sometimes when the person isn't the uh, pick that absolutely jumps out, but you think, I don't know, there's something about this person that I think can make them a great leader. This man has a household in which one parent was interested in religion and one was not. Is it like a belief? Is it people in worship are, people in church are hypocrites? Is he neutral? Is he hostile? He obviously comes from another culture, but it doesn't mean that he can't be interested in it, but he's not currently. So um, there are several households in all the churches that I've served that have had one parent that was interested in faith and one parent that was not interested. And this is what I think could be the potential upside of such a thing. 
you as a child see someone completely dedicated to going for one reason or another. And you as a child see a person that's not currently interested in going. And you see the differences why. See, I think there's, when there's no choice whatsoever in the life of a child, you don't see the downside of no choice whatsoever. You don't see why someone might not be interested. And you don't make a choice when you're 18 and a half to go because you've seen both sides. Now, my parents took me, I probably went to church more as a child than I do as an adult. I think we went 52 times a year, period. And there's Sundays that I take off as an adult. Both my parents are interested in going, both of them completely dedicated, and here I am in leadership of a church. It can work out that way. But I think it's also interesting to have a parent that's not. And this man who's been chosen by Paul is one that wouldn't necessarily be chosen to be in leadership and now they are going town to town to deliver this message. Now, what do you want to bet? He understands people who are not interested. He gets it because he saw it in his own household. He doesn't just speak down to them. He can speak to them, I think, with a particular sort of knowledge. A healthy balance of religious perspective and non-religious perspective. And if you imagine the towns that are from here to Rock Hill, there's a lot of them that you don't necessarily see if you're on the interstate. And I've said to you multiple times, it's always stuck out to me in my first two weeks when I said, oh, you've grown up here your whole life because the person had come to this church. Mm -mm. No, I grew up in Lyman. Emphasizing, no, I'm not from Greer. I'm from Lyman. Making sure that I knew that town because it matters, the town that you're from, right? So he's going to these little towns and helping people understand what this word is. Verse 6. I have to remember um, the word. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia to help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So your next phrase. Led away from a frightening situation. So there's times when it's about the thing that you do. The place that you go. You could take theology out of it. You can take God out of it. There's times when you, it's the class that you took, it's the person that you met, it's the place where you traveled, and there's times when it's the one that you didn't do. When it matters that you stayed home, when it matters that you did not go with that person, that you did not travel to that place. Does that sound like a high school chaperone? Does that sound like a college dorm RA speaking to the students? There's 50 of us. We're going to this place. 
you have, you are going to be away from your home for five straight days. You're going to be rooming with three other people all those nights. We're going to be going to places where your cell phone won't work. Let's do what? Let's make good choices. Let's make good choices. Let's wake up and decide to make good choices every day. And you know that doesn't change with youth. doesn't change with college students. I took 60 and 70-year-olds to Israel, and they got loose on me. They would make decisions where they'd get sideways, and they'd say, well, who are you to tell me? A little 34-year-old. I can go wherever I want. I paid money to come over to Israel. I can wander if the group's heading this way. It's just in our nature. But sometimes it's the place that we did not go. And it's unique, this part of the story. Because normally biblical leaders are placed in harm's way. They might be asked to go into battle. They might be asked to face a giant. They might be asked to go to a town. They might be asked to say a word, whatever it may be. Not today. Do we know for certain why not? Mm -mm. The thing we know for certain is that it's positive that they were led and that they listened. And you can't take that for granted. First time in this story, a man is led to, cho to choose a person. Second part of the story, they're led away from a dangerous situation. Let's look at the third part, verse 11. And you know what? If these weren't uh, these cities, but instead were Inman and Greer and Traveler's Rest, wouldn't, that make, wouldn't it make a whole lot of sense? He's like, they were going to go to Inman, but they didn't go to Inman. They went to Traveler's Rest, whatever it may be. That's the only downside about having these cities. But if you just imagined just a local region where they're going from place to place, nothing against Inman. If I'm sure. When Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, um, back up one. Back up two. What do you notice about that underline? How often do you think travelers who went from town to town looking for influence spoke to women to do what they needed to do prior to this? No, not very often. These men were setting the tone that this was going to be broader than um, gender. It was going to be broader than race. It was going to be broader than ethnicity. And they went from town to town, and anyone who was willing to listen, they would tell them that word. Now go forward to. Come and stay at my house. 
Now, why do you think it matters that they stay at her house in terms of their significance in that community? I'll tell you a story about Warren Leonard. We celebrated his life on Wednesday. Warren was a banker. He worked um, at this bank, was a um, treasurer, would help out with finances at the church all the time. He'd just walk over and help out for years. There was an entire lifespan of his service to the church that I never saw. I just heard about. The thing that I knew that Warren did in his final years is he would come in my first year every Tuesday at 11. He initiated it with me, and he said, hey, um, I'll introduce you to people if you like and take you around because I'm sure you're not certain where to go. And, of course, the um, directory addresses. Forget it. Could y'all move? He said, I, you can get in the car with me and we'll go and sometimes we'll eat lunch. So every Tuesday in my first year, he would pull up and we'd get in the car and we would go visit two people. Um, we might go see Miss Mary Helen Gibson, right? Um, we might go see Carolinda Robinson. Many of these people were legends of service like he was but were no longer in that service like he was. And so it's just natural. The, the people that I come across the most are people who are serving in a particular capacity or people who are having some sort of difficulty and would like to talk to me about it. So I wouldn't come across those people all the time. But he said, if you're willing to go with me, we'll go. And he would. He'd come get me. And... Um, my particular conversational style is to ask questions. I'm sure y'all are accustomed to that, and I can get going asking some of my questions and get to the bottom of it. There'd be occasions, so I'd say actually more often than not, I'd be talking to him, and I'd look over, and he'd go, because <laughs> I'd have been there 40 minutes. And he'd go, you know, we're going to go to you know, another place after this and then maybe go out to lunch. But as he went to those people's homes, he would say, this is our pastor. He's new to Memorial, and he wants to come and meet everyone possible. Now, what do you think those people thought about me coming to their home? It was a big deal. You know, because I'm a big deal. <laughs> right? They also, it was like he was vouching for me. So they immediately elevated their trust of who I was and what I was trying to do. Now, in year one, we had a number of different things that we had to tackle. A number of different administrative tasks that needed to be settled. So every Tuesday at 10.30, I would think, oh man, I don't know if I can go out today I don't know if I can drop two hours today. We've really got to settle whatever this is because the end of the week is coming and it's going to be due. Now, how often do you think if I were here those two hours and we talked, would we settle that? I'd say less than 20% of the time because sometimes they were too big. Sometimes it was uh, we needed another element. Sometimes we didn't have what it was. How many times do you think when I visited that person's home that I did something of worth? 100%. So I would always come back from there going, well, I did something today without question. 
and I knew those people. And unfortunately, um, a number of those people in the first year didn't have much life remaining. And they were gone in my first 18 months. And had he not taken me to see them, I wouldn't be able to speak about them with any uh, integrity or intelligence whatsoever. So there's a person who said, why don't you come with me? And when I did, it was a game changer for the beginning of my church life. She said, come and stay at my house. I'm well, she didn't say I'm well respected. She was well respected. She had them in their home. And then they were able to tell more people because of that, because of her. See, when people come up to me and I, or I meet new people at different events in Greer and they say, well, now what do you do? And I say, I'm the minister at Memorial. And they say, oh, you know, I hear good things about Memorial. I didn't tell them that. You did. So when you say something about it, it means a great deal more than when I say something about it. He says, come, or she says, come and stay at my house. Now, that doesn't happen if she isn't moved by the word that she heard which doesn't happen if she doesn't listen. Which wouldn't have happened if Paul and Timothy weren't willing to go to that area. Which wouldn't have happened if Paul didn't accept Timothy. Which wouldn't have happened if they didn't listen to the Spirit tell them, don't go to that area because you won't have success and people may actually harm you. Which wouldn't have happened if the Spirit weren't given to people which wouldn't have happened if Jesus didn't say the Spirit's given to you, which wouldn't have happened if the disciples didn't listen to him and follow him to Jerusalem. You see what I'm saying here? You see how interconnected it is? You see how much it builds on itself, the momentum that it gains? Because of people who are willing to be led by what? The news they see? Gossip they hear? the negativity that rises up within them, the selfishness that can be in any human's heart, is it because they're led by those things? Mm -mm. No, none of that happens. If the people who participated in that entire staircase were not led by the Spirit, then responding to that. So you might ask yourself, where's the Spirit leading me? Now, as the pastor, I've got to ask, where's the Spirit leading us? And help guide this ship through the water. And long-range planning begins tomorrow. The committee's been formed, and they start tomorrow thinking about our campus and about Greer and about children and about youth and about adults and senior adults, about our campus, about our buildings. Where do we want to be in 20 years? Which is great. But we can't do anything if you as an individual are not asking, where is the Spirit leading me? And am I willing to go? You can't do that unless you're willing to create space in which you can hear. I've documented it many times. You might be like me. I'm not big on silence. I'm not big on saying still. But somehow creating a space, whether it's walking and listening to something, 
whether it's reading your favorite devotional, whether it's being on the porch, whether it's um, being, uh, uh, I'll take a drive down 29, up 26, and down 14. Something where you just clear your head and you are willing to listen. Our answers as a church will be more powerful if you more frequently ask the question, where is the Spirit leading me? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you uh, would please stand as you're able and join us with our modern affirmation. This is the way we affirm our faith in this worship service. And you're welcome to join us and you're welcome to simply listen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering. And I want to take just a second to point something out in the newsletter. I know that you can't see, really see it, but I want you to be aware of it. And when you look at it, hopefully what I say will um, stick. We've taken a simple weekly report out of the bulletin that just says what we needed last, what we got last week versus what we needed, which is just our budget divided by 52. And instead, giving you a three-month picture of what's been given during the week. So if you get a newsletter or you read it, you'll see what you used to see in the bulletin, but it's three months' worth, which I think gives you a much bigger picture of where we're trending and how we're going. If you look at these three, four pie charts, you see the percentage we are through the year and how we're doing against that percentage. You might see that our giving is $3,000 behind for the budget for this day, but you might also see that our spending is 10000 less than our giving has been to this point, which I think is uh, a credit to our staff. You'll see what we've given to mission. And um, <laughs> Jimmy always gives me grief. I ask him to have a fun fact because I love a fun fact. Y'all love a fun fact. So you'll see that in every financial report on the dashboard. So if y'all will pay attention to that, um, I think it'll benefit you. Um, you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a new uh, person, guest in our congregation, uh, it's certainly not our expectation that you give immediately. You can rely on the generosity of our people. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. 
Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of living God, we only want to hear your voice, we're hanging on every word, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, we're hanging on every word. Changes us, changes what we see, and what we see when you come in the room, when you do what only you can do. It changes us, changes what we see, and what we see. It changes everything. Thank you. 
changes us, changes what we see and what we see. Changes everything. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Please stand and sing this next one with us. Hold on now 
one service next week at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary with a cookout to follow here in the Family Life Center. If you are in a Sunday school class that has a table that's mobile, one of those white tables, after Sunday school, if you would bring it down to the Family Life Center, it would save us a great deal of trouble this week. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Great week.